Hi, and welcome to the Sailorville Church Podcast. My name is Abe Miller, along with Pat Nemmers, once again here to talk about the church service on Sunday. People are going to think that we are the only ones That's to right. do the podcast on this particular podcast, <laughs> right? That's right. That's I like right. the way we roll, but we do have other podcasts, do we not? Yeah. Yeah, we were going to mention that quickly. We do have several others that we have going on. And um, so we've got a Sailorville Parenting Podcast, which is once a month. They usually put something out. So that's more geared towards, uh, you know, parents with younger kids, high school, middle school. Yeah, what, who's leading that particular podcast? Jared and Alyssa Leonard, who mm-hmm. is over all of our youth. So they're running that. They usually host that. And uh, I just listened to one on money that they just did, yeah. um, just this last one. So I know I think another one's coming out in the next couple of days. So be looking for that. Then also Sailorville, Sailorville Women's Podcast, which that's actually weekly that they're putting out stuff. Yeah. And Lindsay Holen is our women's director. She's overseeing that. They've been putting out some really good stuff there. And then they also really yeah. our uh, Sailorville Young Adults, which is Curtis Johnson, who's the director over that. And they're putting out stuff once to twice a month as well. So if you're looking for some other resources, other things to be listening to, you know, while you're working out or driving, check those out. Those are really good um, informational and in kind of same format as this, a lot of it back and forth discussions, topics yep. that are just practical for everyday Christian living. And yep. Good commercial for a great podcast. Yep. yep. All right. So let's get into ours. Uh, we're back at the Church at War again. We're still in that series and beautiful feet. Yep. And uh, give us a quick, quick uh, overview of the message, and then we'll jump into a couple questions uh, in regards. I have some. I've got some interesting questions as we talk about this. So this will be a fun one. Yeah. Well, the title of the message was really not from the text itself, but from a parallel text, or not even a parallel text, a, a different text on evangelism, which is in uh, Romans chapter ten, where. You know, where uh, the Apostle Paul says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how are they going to call on the one they've not heard, and how are they going to hear without a preacher, and how are they, they going to preach unless somebody's sent? And then he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So uh, God loves gospel feet, and the title of the message uh, being beautiful feet, but the but the, the um, admonition throughout the message was to strap up your sandals based off the 15th uh, verse of Ephesians 6, which says, uh, the CSB uh, translates it, and have your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. So that's what we went off of. And uh, we talked a lot about the Roman sandal, uh, a lot of different takeaways from that. You know, it was, you know, it was studded, it was cleated, you know, for firmness and, and grippage. And of course, maneuverability, and that you know they could run at the other uh, at their enemies and maneuver as they did, uh, and um, but not just that. I mean, we made the point that uh, because the sandal was made of leather, that uh, anybody who buys leather shoes and you first put them on, they're they're kind of tight, they're kind of st- stiff. Uh, sometimes they're very uncomfortable, at least. But the more and the longer you wear them. Leather shoes become your best friends. You love them. They're comfortable, you know. And I think that uh, the three points I made, all beginning with P's, I know it was an alliteration, but that really does fit and fit the text well as well. And that is if we're going to strap on our shoes, we, we're going to do it by preparing, by praying, and then by proclaiming, just doing it, you know. And the more we do it, the more comfortable we'll get. 
And I have to be, I have to be uh, careful when I say it because I have to, as as an individual who has shared the gospel for a generation now, forty years, it, it it's never entirely comfortable. I mean, you 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 are in a battle. You do sense resistance. Mm. There are fears that come into play, even for for somebody like me. And I know I'm looking across at you right now, Abe, and you know, you could even be tempted. Well, it's easy for you to say, go out there and just do it because right. you've been doing it and you're probably really comfortable because your shoes are nice and stretched out and all that. That's not entirely true. There are, there are uh, uh, evil res- You sense those who share the gospel, anybody who shares the gospel senses those resistors, evil resistors coming your way when you do, because, you know, we're, we're in a battle with Satan and this is right. We're, we're talking about battling for somebody's soul right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that you shared that because I think there is that perception and, you know, you have, you, you know, this is obviously a passage that you get fired up and yeah, you are really. fired up on Sunday. It's in your wheelhouse. It's it's who you are. It's how you've led our church and which has been great. And we've seen many, many souls come to the Lord and be baptized and join the church and become missionaries and be disciples, and I mean that—that is—that is who you are. We asked it. We asked somebody today in a meeting. You know, when you th- when you hear Sailorville, what's the first word that comes to your mind? And the guy said evangelism. Mm. And it was a, it was a very quick you know comment, mm-hmm. but that is that is what Sailorville is known for, and I think the engaged network and the and being gospel centered. But that that is um, it's it's encouraging, I think, for people to hear that there, it's not super easy for you. Right. I mean, there is. There is fear, you know. We're going to talk about share Jesus without fear a little later, but I yeah. mean, that does seem to be the situational, you know, it's fearful. It, it, but I love, I love the comment you made. We are in a battle. There, there is a spiritual battle happening at that point when you introduce somebody to the gospel and the good news, because it's. And I do think that if we don't, we're in trouble if we don't recognize that. I mean, if we're already fearful and then we realize there's a battle involved there, uh, an invisible war happening, it could just cause us to sort of fold up in our fear. But we have to remember, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world, right? Yeah. That, I, I just thought of that verse, 1 John 4, 4. And we go on the confidence of what we have in the gospel and who we have in us. Uh, and I made the comment that uh, in the, uh, and again, this this really interestingly phrased uh, thing on, you know, you know, this phrased verse in, in Ephesians six on how, uh, again, as, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. That sounds really clunky. I, I, every time I read, it, I think, Oh my goodness, Paul, couldn't you put it a little more clear? But he's again, he's looking at a Roman soldier and saying, well, you know, these shoes are kind of remind me of somebody strapping on their shoes and going out there for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, and at any at any rate, the whole point of the construction of the of the verse is to give, is to say that we should have confidence um, uh, through our readiness, and the readiness has to do with preparing, and that's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Well, let's jump into that. That first point: <clears throat> always be ready. You, you you again talked about drilling. Mm-hmm. You know the the military idea of drilling, being prepared, being ready for when the war does happen or the battle does happen, which I think is a great reminder for all of us to constantly be drilling. Um, and you also talked about, you know, memorization. Let's talk a little bit about that. Um, I know that's a big thing for you. you. You made a comment in there, you know, you can't be pulling out Google all the time in your phone um, and trying to 
oh, I know there's a verse somewhere, you know, being able to look at somebody in the yeah. eye and give them truth. Yeah. And that's a, that's powerful because I, I would be guilty of that. You know, like, I'll just look it up on Google, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's... But I think that's a good point to have that and to be able to just roll with it. How what What is your... How do you do memorization? How often do you do memorization? What's your strategy? Do you just pick a verse? Do you have a book you go through? Do you have flip cards? Do you put it on your phone? What do you do? <laughs> well, it's really, it was impressed upon me very early on uh, when I became a Christian uh, to really believe that the Bible is God's word, and that means it contains God's words and I should know them, not just the whole Bible. Yes, I should be able to know the layout of the Bible, the big story of the Bible, uh, the narrative itself, but to know specific scripture that will help me in my own walk with God, help others in their walk with God, and in this case, evangelize lost people. So very early on, I was, uh, and I, I'm really, we didn't consider this a resource, but the navigators, and I say that because we just talked to a navigator missionary recently, uh, and, uh, you know, navigators are huge on verse memorization. And my very first Bible study I did with a group of individuals, it, we were responsible every week to memorize one or two verses. And we had to, we had to practice those verses in front of somebody. And it was always kind of awkward and clunky and all that, but it was so helpful to me. And those verses became very precious to me. And I remember hearing uh, Chuck Swindoll, uh, Many many years ago, when he was sort of the rock star preacher in the land, he he made it, he made it, it was kind of a cheesy comment, but it really stuck. He said he said the word of God is like milk; if you keep it, it'll get sour, but if you give it out, it'll stay fresh. And that was his way of saying if you memorize something, reiterate it, tell somebody, quote the verse, and as you do, and I've I've learned that to be true. You, it sticks, you know, I, and as you know, Abe, I give out, I give that responsibility out often to ask people to memorize scripture. And a lot of times we'll memorize scripture and then we'll just forget what we memorize because we never reiterate it. We never yeah. share it. But I say, if you've memorized a verse and you do it, I don't care how you do it. There's how you use your phones, you, you know, you can, you can record your own voice coming back to you. You can, there's all kinds of methods and there's apps now you can use to help you memorize. I don't personally use those. I'm totally for them. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I mean, I don't care what you do to help you memorize, but to make it stick, you have to repeat it. It's not enough to just memorize it, to quote to your study group or whatever, but you have to repeat it. And to me, one of the keys is to, is to, is to find it in natural conversation where you can actually quote it. Like we're having right now. I just referred to first John four, right. four a little bit ago. I, right. I wasn't thinking about first John four, four, but I'd memorize it a hundred years ago and you know, it just comes up and, it, but it doesn't just come up. I, the context comes into my mind. I think the Lord does that. I know that some of our listeners might think, oh, yeah, easy for you to say. You're really a good memorizer. That's your job. I, I'm not. I'm not a great—I mean, it, it's, it's a bare-knuckled effort for me to memorize Scripture. But the very context itself, which we haven't gotten to yet, but we will, when Paul says later on, and I think in verse 17, you know, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God, the Word of God, not the logos of God, but the rhema of God. That's the Greek word there. And that word means a specific word. And you have the example of Jesus when Satan is tempting him in the wilderness. Jesus doesn't just give him the whole Bible. <laughs> 
In fact, he gives them a couple of obscure passages from Deuteronomy of all things. You know, man shall not live by bread alone, he says to Satan, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God shall he shall he live, you know. And um, uh, that was a specific word from Jesus to Satan. I mean, he spoke the word of God to Satan. I thought that was, I think that's powerful. That's a rhema. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think we ought to memorize scripture because they become many rhemas for us as we talk to people. And, and you already ma- mentioned, I alluded it, to it in the message. We're not putting an impediment between us and the per- person we're trying to reach. We can actually speak truth right to them. And uh, that's just another reason to, um, to memorize. And, I, and, I, and, and that was in the context of how to prepare. You, know, yeah. you work on your testimony, uh, you work on verse memorization, and then you work on articulation, and it's sort of, it's sort of, uh, it's practice. But uh, and I haven't done this for a long time. Contemplating doing it with our my own community group soon, which is uh, from time to time I'll have people do a three minute drill right. using where you have three minutes to share your testimony, and then if they all share their testimony, literally after three minutes. And we did this in a, a John and I did yeah. this one. Yep. And after much, you're done. And we literally, we had people go, ah, I'm not quite done with my story. I'm not there. No, you're done. You are done. And so the whole purpose of it was to be able to compress that story, get all the elements of a testimony in and cut out all the fat. Right. right. And while that might not be realistic in a, in a real life setting, it'll help you to get through those important points as you're sharing Christ with somebody. Yeah. Those are good. I, I had two things come to my mind. Um, in even in the message, you even talked about you know when I, I have literally seen God move people when I have shared truth yeah. with them, and yeah. I also also was thinking of Debbie Mothershed's baptism, uh, which is great. Go listen to that yeah. if you haven't. It's on the website. But when you know she uh, John Nemers was preaching and he shared that verse at the you know whatever the twenty ninth minute or whatever, yeah. and it. <laughs> It was the word of God that that captured her, right? And she's like, I I give up, I confess, right? And I, I think it's just to just to realize the power behind the word of God. Yeah. Not yeah. not our own words, but God's word. The other thing I was gonna say is we'll we'll, we'll attach the um the thirty verses every Christian should know. We'll attach that to the show notes. So if you're looking for some verses to memorize and go through, those are really good. That's a resource that we have that we can add to. Oh, good. You didn't tell me you're going to do that. That's great. That's a great idea. Yep. Yeah. We'll do that. And by the way, just, I just thought about this verse memorization. I just thought of this. I wish I had put this in the message. Just came to my mind. Verse memorization. Those are the cleats. Those are the spikes of the shoes. Those are the things that that's the confidence. That's the thing that allows you to stay in there in the, yeah. on the muddy ground, on the slippery ground. It's not just the person you're speaking the truth to. It helps you. It gives you the confidence. And um, when you speak with that kind of confidence, it, it's uh, it's powerful. I, I remember reading a story of a guy who was converted under D.L. Moody's ministry. And he said, I, I, I couldn't stand Moody. He was upset because Moody Moody was not an he was not an articulate individual. He, he he was really he used a lot of slangs and his he he didn't pronounce words correctly sometimes. But they say his scripture just fired out of his mouth, and this mm. guy could not. The they was like bullets coming at him, and it finally it, it knocked him down for the gospel wow. for for Jesus' sake. So. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so one other question on the on the preparing part. 
Uh, you also made a thing that said a comment said nothing is more powerful than your own testimony, and uh, <laughs> I said next to the word of God, nothing is more powerful. Just as a clarification, yes, clarification, yeah. Um, which you know we've we've talked about sharing your testimony, being ready to share your testimony. Uh, in the in the middle of the the message, I was thinking, and this is for me personally, but I think there's a lot of people out there listening that would maybe have the same question. Was was raised in a really good Christian home was saved when I was young, don't have a real crazy story that maybe would connect with somebody who is living a, you know, a really crazy life. Yeah. Right. Um, so it, it seems it's kind of like a radical weight loss story. Like, what did you do and what happened? Like, there's a radical change. You were, you know, you were really big and now you've lost a lot of weight. There's something that, you know, I, I kind of, it kind of seems like the same thing, right? When you, when you talk to somebody, how, how do, how does somebody share their story that doesn't have a radical story, that doesn't maybe connect with someone who's really struggling? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's true. I come out of what a lot of people would consider a radical conversion. It was a radical conversion. And uh, you've heard the story. You were a little boy, seven years old when you came to know Jesus. But uh, you do have a story, and you've heard me right. say it repeatedly. The you know you don't have to have an incredible story, but you do have to have a credible incredible. story. It's that credible story, whether you were seven years old or seventy, that you have to be able to share and to share with confidence. You know that you were raised with with godly parents speaking the truth to you. But I at seven years old, I I came to trust Jesus. Now your story doesn't end there. None right. of my story hasn't ended. And we talked about this just a couple of hours ago. You referred to uh, when you tell your story, you include something that happened almost 25 years ago. Yeah. Why don't you quickly tell us what happened there? Because that's part of your story. Yeah, no, I, I went through a really hard time. I just got married. I started a new job and got asked to go to be on staff at a church. And it just opened up my mind. And I mean, God used that to really ask some really tough questions. I mean, I questioned almost everything that I was taught and everything I believed. And part of my story is I came in and talked to you during mm-hmm. that time. And I said, I'm really struggling with like the gospel and understanding. Do I really believe, did I believe when I was a young boy? And you know, you were, you said, well, do you believe the gospel? And mm-hmm. I articulated that and I said, I do. And you said, well, why don't you stick around and see what God has for you? And six months later, I got called into start volunteer helping with the the high school youth ministry. And then I came on staff as the youth pastor back in 2001. But yeah, that is my story. That is what I share when I talk to people and the doubt and the questions that I was asking. So yeah, the the stories always continue. And what's compelling about your story is out there, there's a lot of people doubting. There are people raised in Christian homes that are doubting. You can give them the confidence of knowing and the comfort of knowing, oh, he doubted too. I mean, he's one of the pastors on staff at this church, you know. Yep. Uh, so to me, that's part of your story. But telling your story, it's like anything else. When you tell a story, people lean in when they hear a story. When you just give them the scripture and you preach the Bible to them, that's truth. That's powerful. But if you don't connect it in any practical way to your life, you're going to lose them pretty quickly. Because yeah. at the end of the day, it's it's got to have an impact on your life if I'm trying to make an impact on their life. Yeah. And your story is is the thing that tells them, yeah, that made an impact. Yep. So the second one was by praying, uh, praying at all times. Pray, you know, pray for, pray for others, pray for yourself, 
and you made a comment, and this is this is a question that I have. Um, the Lord answers that prayer more quickly than any other prayer, and, and you made a pretty strong statement there that said, yeah. "There's no other prayer that gets answered more quickly than a prayer for you know an opportunity." And uh, so, so my question is, is that do you have a biblical backing for that where that would be you you could see that and then is that is that something for you personally that you have seen is that something that is across the board for a lot of people that they would say oh yeah absolutely um and what if i've been praying for those opportunities and i've been praying you know whoever's out there listening i've been praying and i just don't feel like god's giving me those opportunities so maybe just expound on that and just kind of give some insight there so you're pushing back on that statement is that a little what bit. I just I just want to know because I because I, I know I've heard you hit, share it before. Yeah, and yeah. and it, you said it pretty confidently. And there's other prayers in the Bible besides that one. So I probably said it more confidently than I really. I mean, I went. I might have gone just a little overboard. <laughs> okay. So uh, what I what I what I have often said in the past is I know of no other prayer more quickly answered than the prayer for an open door. And that one doesn't come off as uh, as overly dogmatic. I probably was a little bit more dogmatic in the preachy mode, not intending to be. Uh, can I prove that that's the prayer that's most often and quickest answered by God? No, I cannot. Can I say experientially that it is with me? Yes, I can. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it factors into my giftedness. I won't deny that. It's a possibility. Uh but it just makes sense to me because mm-hmm. you have your marching orders in the Great Commission. Go and preach the gospel to all nations. Right. That's the call. And then you have the Apostle Paul repeatedly saying, hey, um, let's be praying about this matter and, uh, and pray for me too, by the way. Would you advocate for me? Because I'd like to have an open door. Now, he's asking for open doors. And mm-hmm. I gave the illustration of Chuck DeClean and I yeah. doing that. So you have that. And, of course, then you see in Paul's life the opportunities do come. come. Uh, so I would say, did I over did I overemphasize it? Did I, if, if I said, there is no other prayer, and I might have said that. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. But it if, seemed like it. If <laughs> I said that, I want to retract uh. that. And not that it isn't true, but I can't, I cannot prove with 100% certainty that that is a true statement. I have to believe it is the heart of God, and I have to believe that God loves those prayers. So I get back to you, you know, why doesn't that happen to you or somebody else? So there's lots of things. There's there's many reasons it might happen. It, the prayer might be selfishly given. You know, I want to be one of those guys who tells, you know, the prayer might be uh, just a prayer. In other words... This whole passage here has both trust God and do something written all over it. You know, it's 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 not enough for me to just passively say, you know, oh God, open up a door of opportunity and then go about my business like I always do and just figure he's gonna drop somebody into my lap. I don't think that's the kind of prayer that Paul was talking about. That's certainly not the prayer I'm talking about. If I'm praying that God will give me an opportunity, I'm looking for those opportunities. Mm-hmm. I'm out there and and seeking those opportunities and it is amazing how they come. And I'm actually just ashamed that I don't pray it more often. Yeah. To be honest. I I love I love the challenge behind it. I love the 
the exhortation behind it to to pray that. And I, I have I have quoted that to other people before. I've used that as an illustration before. So I'm all I'm all for it. I think there's just people out there that like, you know, I'm saying, I am praying that. And I feel like God is not answering that, you know, or yeah. it seems it seems like and then Here's Pat Nemers who gets up every Sunday morning and sharing, well, just the other day I got to talk <laughs> to this lady on the airplane and oh my goodness, it was like she was asking me questions and it just, you know, and people, I want that, I want that, I want to see that. But, you know, I was with you the other day, we were at a place eating and we had a waitress and we've talked to her several times and and I watched you get to the truth and church and what she believes and, you know, I've watched you do that multiple times. Let's talk about that though. How how do you practically because you get you get a lot of you get a lot of um interaction with people because you're the lead guy, you're the main communicator here at our church. So people are like, hey, Pastor, you need to meet this person and you need to meet this person, and you know, you get connections like that. But how how do how do you cold turkey talk to people about the gospel? Let's talk about like the gym. Let's talk about at work. Let's talk about at the grocery store. Let's talk about at restaurants. What does that look like? Like play by play, what's going through your mind? What are you thinking? What are you saying? How are you viewing it? Okay, so let's just use the outline because it's really what I've done. So even the what you just referred to the other day that where I interacted with one of our waitresses, um, um, I, I, I was prepared. I, you know, my, I spend my, I spend time in God's word daily as you do and seeking the Lord. And I'm, and I feel like I, I'm, I, and we kind of, you know, I do memorize scripture. We didn't quite go too far on that, but a lot of memories, mem- a lot of the verses I've memorized, I've memorized over the years. It's the verses that really jump out in my Bible reading that I spend extra time on. I think about, I quote, I, I insert them into a message. I insert them into a conversation. That's how they get locked in. But then praying, uh, I actually pray in those moments. I'm looking right at them. I, I, whenever I'm talking to somebody out in public, I try to pray while I'm looking at them. Just a little prayer, kind of like Nehemiah, you know, before the king, you know, you know, he prayed and then God opened up this, his opportunity to go back to Jerusalem and repair the walls. And I'll be praying, God, would you just open up the opportunity here. And I don't get weirded out then. I, I've, I've seen some people. I've seen, I've seen some Christians, well-intentioned Christians, come at people in the most clunky, weirded out ways. I can't, I'm surprised they don't just run in the other direction. So I don't think you just come in there swinging. And you've never seen me come in there swinging with anyone. Right. You try to get to know them a little bit. What do you do? You know, and and you don't want to be disingenuous. You want to sincerely know who you're talking to. I mean, just the other day, we were out at one of our favorite restaurants, you and me. And I invited the waiter. Uh, right. And he showed up this last Sunday. Yeah. And uh, yep. I, I, I'll be honest, I was surprised that he showed up. But, but he did. And but that was based off of you know a relationship. I know him by name, uh, and uh, we we have great interactions. I I've never I didn't share the gospel with him for several times. I don't think I'm going to share the gospel every time I see somebody, but I want to build uh, some camaraderie, some some friendliness there, uh, so that when I do sh- start to talk about spiritual things, it's not like a big shocker to them. And, uh, 
so, you know, but leading questions are important in any conversation. If you're praying about these, if you're prepared and you're praying about these things, at the end of the day, you got to open your mouth. You just like the Nike thing, just do it. And just doing is that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. But I think sometimes you just, and I think William Fay, one of those books that we uh, encourage people to read, Share Jesus Without Fear. Right. You know, I think you just got to uh, realize that most people, and I and listen, I can tell our listening audience, I've been doing this for 40 years. I can literally count on one hand the number of times anybody got really aggressive with me. And I mean, I've had people reject me, yes, but get aggressive with me with their words. I've never had somebody feel no, I take it back. I've had one time somebody physically threatened me, but I, I that that's so vague to me now, and it was so long ago. I probably screwed it up in some way. I don't know, but uh, but the bottom line is, you know, to uh, to know to show that you genuinely care and ask some good questions. I mean, these aren't hard questions, but sometimes I'll just say, "Hey, like, are you are you a spiritual person?" and that's a general question. You're not really doing it. You're not going anywhere with that question and you're not plugging any holes. I, yeah, I tell people, don't say, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Oh my goodness. What kind of a question is that? I mean, that, talk about a loaded question right out of the chute. So I'll ask them, are you a spiritual person? Or even more generic, are you a churchgoer? I like that one too. Cause that helps me a little bit. Oh, not really. Or yeah, I go to, and they'll name their church. Uh, sometimes, yeah, or I'm not a religious person, but even in their answer, you can tell whether you're going to have a conversation that's going to go anywhere. You'll, the attitude will come out really quickly. Sometimes people say, no, I mean, I've literally had people say, no, why are you, what church do you go to? You know, or, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes just the question itself shows that you care enough to ask. Mm -hmm. You have, you suddenly latched into somebody who's just all in. Finally, somebody's asking me that question, but you're never going to know until you start asking some of those questions. Do you go to church? Yeah. Are you uh, a spiritual person? But don't lead with those things. To me, that's the silliest thing in the world to lead with those things. Uh, you're going to turn people off that way. So building relationships, even in small settings or your regular setting, because most of us like to frequent restaurants a lot. That's uh, I'm using that as an example yeah. here. Do you do you uh, if if you were to continue on in a conversation with somebody, are you asking them to come to church, start a Bible study? We'll come visit you. I mean, what what is the next step? Think, usually, yeah, a lot of it has to do. Well, a lot of it in those restaurant settings, I will invite them to church. Some I often will do that. It's kind of a way to see if the interest level is going to the next, you know, going to the next level or not. But depending on the circumstance, you it might be, uh, it might be you you want to avoid actually. I mean, my friend Chuck, that asking them to come to church is the last thing he'll do because I'm a little different on that. Uh, and uh, but I'm okay with that too. I mean, if in some cases, depending on how the conversation is going. I'll say, and I'll, I'd like to bring my wife into it. I'm a married guy and my wife disarms virtually everybody she meets. And I know what a, what a, what a blessing she has to just have with me. And I'll, I'll be talking to somebody who has kids and I know my wife, we go visit them. My wife is going to love on those kids and they will, they just will think the world of my wife. And you, that's another thing. When you're evangelizing people, you want to do whatever you can to break down all those 
social barriers, the barriers, the fearful barriers. So I do like to bring my wife along. And to answer your question, depending on how the conversation is going, I might say, hey, are you guys ever uh, like open during the week? I just had a text exchange with a young lady and her husband this morning, early this morning, who visited our church. Now they visited, I don't even know how they came here, but neither one of them are Christians. And, but super nice people. And I just said, hey, are you guys open on like on weekdays? Yeah, not this week, but next week we will. And I said, awesome, let's, and I just, we just agree on a time. And then we set up that time to come over. And the first time we make the visit, we always say, I always say, could we pop in for a short visit, 30 minutes or less? And then we really hold ourselves to that if we can. Now, there will be times where people say, please, please don't go. And that's, yeah. that's a different story. But you want to make it short because it's a little bit like a sermon. People love a good, strong sermon uh, that doesn't go too long versus one that goes too long and they wish you'd you know hung it up a little bit yeah. earlier. You know? Yeah. So I lo- I lo- I think that's a, the best the challenge there too is that you you take risks, you 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 step into conversations and yeah, I'll ask you if you're spiritual, I'll ask you if you go to church somewhere, which I think is it's a good challenge for all of us. We mm. we sometimes we do have to open our mouths. Sometimes we have to have, you know, it's that's where the fear comes in. Like, yeah, but what am I going to say? And how, you know, and we got we got to be prepared. We got to be ready. We got to be praying that God will give us the words and the right heart, and and to know when to back away because you've backed away. But one other question, question quickly before we wrap it up here. How 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 often are you sharing, and then peop- you get nothing? I mean, there's no follow up. There's nothing. I mean, is it half the time, twenty five percent of the time? I mean, what's your What's the rate, I guess, of... Yeah, I don't know. I, I've never thought like that because I don't think like that. Yeah. I don't, I just don't. Uh, I just but, think people need to know, like, yeah, I have lots of conversation that go nowhere. Yeah, I mean... But I'm you, sharing. I do too. So, hey, be encouraged if that... I mean, I do too. There are countless, countless, countless times that I've had interaction with people that went nowhere. In fact, I've had interaction with people that I walked by thinking, wow, that this is going to materialize. I got their contact information or they're going to come to, and they don't, they're just happen to be really nice people and without any intention of following it up. Um, but the fear part is gets back to the preparation. I think every listener should know who knows the gospel and how to articulate the gospel. You should know Paul little, he's with the Lord. Now he was, uh, he did a lot of campus evangelism many years ago. And he was the one who coined the phrase, most unbelievers are Bible illiterates. And I can tell you, as God is my witness, and with the many opportunities, that countless opportunities I've had to talk to people about Jesus, that's a true statement. Most unbelievers don't know their Bibles. You're probably going to be brilliant compared to most people you talk to. Now, they know something about God, that you know how to use his name in vain, and they've heard the story of the feeding the 5,000 and a couple other things. But most people don't know their Bibles. You... And actually, they become intimidated because, well, well, I'm, I guess I'm talking to a Bible thumper here, huh? Yeah. You don't want them to have that thought. You really want them to, to know that you care for them and don't just come at them. Your personality is a big deal. I have a very strong personality. I get it. So it's important for me to gear that personality back and show that I really care in that moment and don't uh, bring out my A game, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that could overwhelm somebody. So utilize the way God has wired you. Know that God loves faithfulness. 
get yourself prepared. Know the know how to articulate the gospel. Pray about these things. Pray about these things regularly. I put a picture up at the end of the sermon. Um, I don't even think you've ever seen that picture. No. But um, kind of a blurry picture because I took it with some some old funky film camera back in the 80s, you know. But it was so moving to me when my little two-year-old was running around with my Bible and, you know, kind of acting like a preacher or whatever. And I thought he was going to rip it up or something. I said, hey, put that Bible back where it belongs. And I mean, I didn't know where it was. I mean, I'm looking around, I couldn't find it. And here he had, in his mind, the Bible neck belonged next to his daddy's shoes. And mm -hmm. so he's, that's where he said it. And I took a picture of it. It just was so moving to me. And I know that's probably not what he meant. Oh, my daddy, needs, you know, whatever. But to me, it meant Bible, my shoes, they go together. And if our listeners really are sincere about this, they'll strap on their gospel shoes. Yeah, that's really good. Let's give them those uh, resources that we were going to share, uh, those books. Let's start with Starting Point. Talk a little bit about that and the, the Share Jesus Without Yeah, Fear. well, that's a book that's unique to our church. You're not going to find that book on Amazon or anything like that, but we do give it out as a free resource. Uh, so it used to be affectionately uh, called the Chuck Study. So Chuck DeClean uh, came up with a with a study, an evangelistic study, and I really took a long time to get into it myself because it wasn't one that I did. But the more I do it, the more I put it upon myself. I mean, uh, it, it became something like the leather shoes. The more you wore it, the more comfortable it got. We actually took that thing and we went back to the drawing board on it and we created a study, which we call Starting Point, which has a first study about the Bible and, the, and why we believe the Bible, its authority, its, its authority and sufficiency and whatnot. Then it gets into studies of, uh, of who you are as a sinner. The righteousness of Christ is what you desperately need. And many, many people come to Jesus just going through that study. And the and the brilliance of that study is you leave the booklet with them and you just do one at a time. And um, if if they're sincere, you'll see great results. So that's that's a great active workman's study, the starting point booklet that we offer. And then Share Jesus Without Fear, William, William Fay. Yeah, Fay's book is really a real simple little book. It's not a it's not a long book, it's an easy read. And it's really a confidence builder. It, it's just exactly what the title says, how you can successfully share Jesus without fear. He, he, he does a really good job of breaking down the fears that we naturally have, some of which we've talked about here. Yeah. And then lastly, Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. Yeah, so that's really more of a, a holistic approach to evangelism and this discipleship. Robert Coleman wrote that book many years ago. It's been updated a few times, but it's a great, it's it's the best book on, on discipleship. There's a lot of great books on discipleship and new ones are coming off the press, I realize all the time. But it's, it, it has stood the test of time. Yeah. And he, in fact, he's the one who said, um, uh, children are not raised by proxy. I love that line in that book. Just I just thought of it. And uh, so that that's the idea of discipleship where you're really hanging out with these individuals through their, you know, remember evangelism isn't just getting somebody to make a decision. It's seeing somebody become a follower of Jesus. And Coleman's book is super helpful to that end so that they themselves can, can become evangelistic. So there are other resources, but those are the ones we like best around here. Yeah. So we'll we'll make sure those are in the show notes along with the 30 verses every Christian should know. So yeah, thanks for the conversation. This is good and challenging and a good challenge for all of our listeners. Yeah, thank you.